Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. Might have mentioned on the site and maybe even in earlier podcasts that whenever I found a piece of technology in a movie or TV show or I found a robot in a movie or TV show that I liked, I would inevitably go home and try to recreate that robot or a piece of technology. Now, when I was really young, it didn't really matter. I would put stuff together and pretend it worked. But as I got older, I wanted to kind of know how things worked. And I remember going to see the movie Short Circuit, and I knew it had a robot in it. And because it had a robot in it, I knew that I would want to build a robot afterwards. And I love the movie. It has a lot of people I like in it. It has Ali Sheedy, Steve Gutenberg. It's a fun movie. I got home. I had robot fever. So I went into the basement, started to cobble together pieces. But something different happened this time. I didn't just try to build a framework that looked like a robot. I started to think about what made a robot. Not just what made the robot move. I had things like erector sets and the robotics playset. So I kind of knew how mechanical stuff worked. But I started to think about how Johnny Five in the movie worked. My head started hurting. It occurred to me that everything would have to be programmed. That this wonderful world of computers that I'd use to create little games or to program little silly things would have to be much bigger and way beyond anything I could ever do. I was depressed and I don't think I ever tried to build another robot in my home again, but from that point on I became much more aware of how important programming is to things, how computers are driven, how they work, and what their effect is on daily life in everything that we use. Now, I've still never built anything as complicated as a robot. I haven't even programmed anything as complicated as the things I dreamed about when I was a kid. But I'm very happy that Johnny Five, and he is a magical robot, helped this sense of logic dawn upon me. Now, it's a little sad because from that point on, my imagination was taken down a peg. But at the same time, the bigger picture of how the world worked opened up to me. So for that, I thank you, Johnny Five. On today's show, we're going to talk about Short Circuit. We're going to talk about the movie, the plot, the characters and actors in the film. We'll talk about the production. We'll talk about the sequels, the video games, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Short Circuit was a 1986 science fiction comedy 
that starred Ali Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg, and it was directed by John Badham. Rounding out the cast would be Fisher Stevens, Austin Pendleton, and G.W. Bailey. We'll talk a little bit about the cast later. The voice of Johnny Five, the robot in the film, was provided by Tim Blaney. The movie revolves around a sentient robot labeled Saint Number 5. SAINT is an acronym, and it stands for Strategic Artificially Intelligent Nuclear Transport. The robot would eventually take the name Johnny Five when he becomes alive, and that is really the crux of the film, what happens when a robot becomes self-aware. The film was written by S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock. They're a writing team, occasional writing director team, who are probably best known for Short Circuit and the Tremors film and television series. Now, the movie was originally conceived as a sort of high-tech thriller, very dark, and number five was going to be the villain of the picture, kind of a heavily armed military bot who escapes from a lab, and I guess there would have been sort of a Terminator feel to it. But after several script revisions, all of those darker elements were dropped, and the film became a comedy of all things. Tremendous turnaround. In the film, number five is one of five prototype robots that the U.S. military wants to use to replace soldiers. The men mostly responsible for making these robots is Newton Graham Crosby and his partner Ben. Now those two are much more interested in how artificial intelligence can be used for peaceful things, things like music and art. While demonstrating this technology, a power surge hits number five while he's recharging and it alters his programming, causing a malfunction. That malfunction causes him to become self-aware. The robot, number five, finds himself off the military base and wandering around and comes across the home of animal lover Stephanie Speck, who lives in Astoria, Oregon. You know Astoria, where all wonderful things happen, things like Kindergarten Cop and things like the Goonies. Now, she thinks initially that the robot is an extraterrestrial, but then determines that it is, in fact, a robot, and she brings it in, and the robot it starts craving input. It's there that he learns a lot of things from this animal lover and starts to realize that he is in fact alive and an individual. He also realizes that it was the power surge that had brought him to life. And from Stephanie and her animals, he gains a respect for life, rejecting the destructive nature of his own programming. He also develops a fear of death, meaning disassembly. There's a lot of wonderful misunderstandings and lots of close encounters. Finally, Newton, Stephanie meet. The robot and Stephanie are able to convince Newton that the robot is sentient. Sadly, at this point, they are cornered by the full weight of Nova's security force and the army, who really want to destroy this robot. In a fun twist, they build a mock-up of Johnny Five out of spare parts and send him out, and the military and Nova destroy him. The project is ruined, and Number 5, who has renamed himself Johnny 5, leave for Montana, and we believe they will live happily ever after. Of course, when the sequel comes out, we learn differently. Today's show is brought to you by Furniture. It's furniture. You know, the stuff you do stuff on. Let us furnish the furniture to furnish your home. Chairs and couches. Beds and lamps. Rugs and kitchen chrome. Everything that you will need to make your house a home. So let us furnish the furniture to furnish your home.
So let us furnish the furniture to furnish your home. Love that furniture. So a little bit about the characters and cast of the film. The movie was directed by John Badham. Badham, who I talked about in War Games, because he was the director of that movie, was born in the UK, but was raised in Alabama, where he became a naturalized citizen in 1950. He would go on to Yale University and would start working on television before he got his breakthrough movie in 1977, which was Saturday Night Fever. In 1983, he would direct War Games, which would also have Ali Sheedy in it. Just a fun little fact, there's a scene in Short Circuit where Johnny does a little Saturday Night Fever dance, kind of an ode to his other movie. So as I said, John Badham worked with Ali Sheedy before, and she was in this film playing Stephanie Speck. She's one of my favorite actresses from the 80s. Sheedy was born in 1962, probably best known as a member of the Brat Pack in movies like The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire. I always remember her best from her role in War Games. You had Steve Gutenberg as Newton Crosby, Ph.D. Gutenberg was born in 1958, comedic actor, probably best known for all the roles he did in the 80s in Cocoon, Three Men and a Baby, and of course as Mahoney in Police Academy. Fisher Stevens played Ben Jabataya. Stevens was born in 1963, actor, producer, director, has worked in tons of things and is a very well-respected actor. Television roles include Frasier, Law & Order, Lost, Friends, but he's been in lots of movies playing lots of different roles, and every one of them he's really good. Very underrated, that Fisher Stevens. He would also be one of the only people in the movie to return for the sequel, Short Circuit 2, where his name, which is difficult to pronounce, gets changed to another name for some inexplicable reason. Before I move on to the rest of the cast, I wanted to pause and talk a little bit about Fisher Stevens's character in this movie. He plays an Indian man. Not Indian Native American, but Indian from India. And at the time, as a kid, I actually didn't realize that he wasn't Indian. I didn't really know much about anything back then. Now, I'm not Indian myself, but I think the movie might be offensive to some Indians because it is a very broad caricature. I, of course, cannot speak to that, but thought I'd bring it up, because watching it, I was a little uncomfortable by some of the things he did, mainly because he was an Indian. Something to think about. Bye-bye, Goopy Woman. I enjoyed repeatedly throwing you to the ground. Now back to the rest of the cast. Austin Pendleton played Dr. Howard Marner. Pendleton was born 1940. Television and stage actor worked in the Muppet movie. I remember him mostly because he did a chilling turn as an unhinged person in the TV series Oz. G.W. Bailey played Captain Scroder. Bailey was also in Police Academy with Steve Gutenberg, where he played Captain Thaddeus Harris. He was also Captain Felix Maxwell in the movie Mannequin. He was also in this other movie, maybe heard of, called MASH, where he played Sergeant Luther Rizzo. Recently, he has appeared in the TNT series The Closer as Provenza. Brian McNamara played Ali Sheedy's boyfriend Frank in the film. He has worked in a lot of TV shows, probably best known for his portrayal of Dean Carney in the TV movie Billionaire Boys Club. Lots of TV work. I probably remember him best from this movie, and also he was in an episode of Seinfeld. Tim Blaney played the voice of Number 5 and was also the puppeteer behind Number 5. We'll talk a little bit about the puppeteering a little later. 
He was born in 1959, and he's an American puppeteer and voice actor. He did the voice for Frank the Pug in Men in Black and Men in Black 2, and he would play Johnny Five in Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2. Now, he did the voice and the puppeteering because they made a casting decision, and they made that casting decision because John Badham believed that real-time interaction with the robot would make the whole thing seem much more natural. So while the puppeteer was moving, Johnny Five would move, and he would also provide the voice while the actors were there. So they weren't playing against a green screen like actors do a lot nowadays, or against a voice that wasn't going to be Johnny Five. The ultimate soldier. It doesn't get happy, it doesn't get sad, it doesn't laugh at your jokes. It is quite simply Jim. the most sophisticated robot on Earth. At Nova Robotics, the future is in good hands. You're doing real good. Just keep working on those last two bars. Thanks to Dr. Newton Crosby. Originally, I designed it as a marital aid. But artificial intelligence has gotten too smart. No. It's malfunctioning. It might not do anything. But it could decide to blow away anything that moves, couldn't it? Because $11 million worth of robot just hit the road. Wow! Number five is alive. Welcome to my planet. You just have to find number five, get some answers. Why don't you come on in my house? And it's got a lot of living to do. Whatever it takes to put that stupid contraption out of commission, that's what you do. Me input. Stuff. More input. More input. And they can seem quite lifelike, but they are still machines. Oh. Number five is alive. Nice software. How it happens, who knows, but it has happened. A new comedy adventure from John Badham, the director of War Games. We're going to be after you. we got to get out of here now. Keep alive! Ah! Ali Sheedy. Steve Gutenberg and number five. Beautiful. Short circuit. I am alive. Now, the film was conceived after the producers of it found success with an educational video about a robot that they had created and distributed to colleges. They then would go on to study other films that had robots in it. And then they decided that it would be good to take a realistic approach to the plot of a robot that comes alive. How would a robot react to the real world? How would the world react to him? Now, according to DVD commentary, Johnny Five was the most expensive part of the movie and required several different versions to be made for different sequences. Also, he would seem as realistic as possible. Almost everything else in the movie was really done on a low budget so that they could give as much money to Johnny Five as possible. Johnny Five was designed by Sid Mead, who is probably most famous for his work on two very good movies, Blade Runner and Tron, and I do love Tron. Now, as I said, they were trying to portray a living robot in this world. Almost every part of Johnny and the other robots that look like him were built with a logical purpose behind them. So, for example, Johnny has eyelids, and you would think, why does a robot need eyelids? And an explanation would be, well to cover them when it's too bright and they could get damaged by the sun. Works fine. Also allows the robot to be very expressive like a human. Most of Johnny Five's movements were controlled by the puppeteer in real time through a telemetry suit, which is a metallic skeleton, which is on the puppeteer's upper torso. And each joint in the suit has a sensor and allows the puppeteer's arms and movements to be transferred directly to the robot. 
an interesting little thing that the movie did that other movies hadn't been doing at the time. They used sequences that were cut from the final product during the end credits. And this is before deleted scenes and director's cuts would appear on DVDs. The scenes shown in the credits include an extended demonstration scene, an encounter with an Omnibot 2000, and a close encounter at the scrapyard. After these messages, we'll be right back. You look like the Princess Alicia. Here's Burbot, a robot you can program to perform eight different functions. Go right. You can control Burbot with your own voice. Go left. Burbot, I said left. Here are your commands. Burbot, speed. 4AA, 29 volt, and 2C batteries not included. Mission accomplished. The Prince is satisfied. Yeah. Burbot, a voice-activated robot. You from Tommy. I like new Giggles cookies because we've got two kinds of cream inside. He likes Giggles' funny faces. There's fudge of vanilla cream in each one. Mm-mm, I can't believe how good this is. New Giggles cookies. Two kinds of cream in each funny face. Are you going to eat that? And now... Back to the show. The film was released on May 9th, 1986, and it got mostly positive reviews, debuting at number one in the box office. It opened on 1,033 theaters and immediately got compared to E.T. It came out at a time when the number one movie in the country was Richard Pryor's Jojo Dancer, which it beat handily dropping it to number two. In the end, Short Circuit would gross $40.6 million, almost $40.7 million in the U.S. alone. One of the things that attracted a lot of people to it was its soundtrack. The thing was, there was none. The thing had good music, and they would eventually, I'm talking 2008, release a CD with music from the movie, except they would not include the single Who's Johnny by El DeBarge, which was a big hit played all over the radio. If you haven't heard it, it went a little something like this. There was a very interesting tie-in if you were a computer user. There was a game developed by Ocean Software for the ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64, and Amstrad CPC. I'll just say that I think the game is of mixed quality at best. The game itself had two parts. One part where Johnny Five has to escape from a lab, and another part where Johnny Five escapes across the countryside, avoiding soldiers and, of course, rabbits. When you got something good... You might as well make a sequel. And in 1988, Short Circuit 2 came out. And it actually got pretty good reviews. Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. It was directed by Kenneth Johnson and would star Fisher Stevens as Ben Jarvie this time. For some reason, they decided to change his name. It also had Cynthia Gibb as Sandy Banatoni and Michael McKean as Fred Ritter. Tim Blaney would return to voice Johnny Five. 
Some say he's nuts. To the moon, Alice! Some say he's bolts. Muchas gracias. But everyone agrees he's America's most electric leading man. Lucy and Holmes! He's... The all-new Johnny Five. Just look at these items. Increased memory, 500 megabytes online. I come with a utility pack. Dozens of gadgets for outdoor living. Lots of green pea stickers and even my own Nike swoosh. Now he's back and haywired for laughs in his newest motion picture adventure, Short Circuit 2. Winners all the time. Keep your eye on the red card. Red card. Get away from me. Kid, you bother me. So keep your eye on the current thing, Short Circuit 2. That movie would make $21.6 million domestically and was positive enough that they considered making a third movie and a script was prepared for the third movie and was ready for 1989. It would be rewritten in 1990, but the producers found it to be unsatisfactory, so the whole project was scrapped. Johnny Five would not appear in any animated series, but outside of the short-circuit movies, Johnny Five would make an appearance in a half-hour video called Hot Cars, Cold Facts, which is a short educational film featuring Johnny Five this time voiced by Russell Turner. The events in that movie take place after the events in Short Circuit 2. We'll return after these messages. Introducing Pocket Rockers. Tiny tapes, tiny players. Down on the corner, out in the streets. Pocket Rockers are playing where the music feels the beat. Pocket Rockers, play them here, wear them anywhere. Tiny players, tiny tapes, pocket rockers, tapes and accessories sold separately, batteries not included from Fisher Price. Command the power. Introducing reactors. The power is in your hand. Pearlescent vehicles powered by the power rod. Reactors. Charge the power rod, place it in the vehicle, and watch them go. Recharge the power rod. The power is in your hand. Reactors. The power is at your command. Reactors. From NASA. And now, back to our show. If you are a fan of Short Circuit, do not fret. The remake train is pulling into the station. In 2008, Variety reported that Dimension Films acquired the rights to remake the original Short Circuit, and Dan Milano had been hired to write the script and David Foster produce it. Foster also said at the time that the visual look of Johnny Five, which is sacred to some people, would not change. In October of 2009, it was announced that Steve Carr would direct the movie and that the film's plot would involve a boy befriending the number five robot. Both Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2 are widely available on home video in different formats, so if you are interested in seeing the film and have not, it is available. You could get it in many, many places. Short Circuit is a fun movie, a lot of fun to watch, and it's also a bit magical. Seeing a robot come to life and witnessing it seeing the world through its new robot eyes is perfect for anyone who wants to tell a story. So, I'm really interested to see where they go with this movie in the future, and I hope while they keep it kind of light and funny, I hope they do explore the humanity of a robot, because I think you could get a lot of that out of 
the look and feel of Johnny Five, and I also think that that would make for a very compelling remake. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear in the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. No disassemble. No disassemble. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.